The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express. At the start of the show, as we like to do, we'd like to thank our listeners and our Patreon supporters, and those of you who've enjoyed the show so far. We hope you continue to, uh, to listen and to shed and spread the joy of our show everywhere. And so, we're going to have introductions now. To my right. Hi there, this is Mike. I play James Robert Fraser, who is currently uh, making best speed in the general direction of away from a burning building. Yes, yes. the uh, The clock tower, it seems, has had a bit of a kerfuffle in it and is now on fire. And so, in the glow, the wonderful torch glow that is a 50-foot, 60-foot clock tower, uh, you are um, making haste away uh, to Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I might be a little bit responsible for the fire. You know, I, I don't have any sort of player history that would tell me that you might be responsible for a fire, so we'll just assume that it's a coincidence. We are in the missing Simon Griffith formation, and so uh, we will just make note of that in our logs, that he will be slightly sleepy and uh, perhaps stumble about a bit, but it is of no concern. He'll be back post-haste. Uh, so, to Giles is right. Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and my dreams of flight may have been dashed this time, but not forever. Nay, not at all, Miss Bellinger. You are a force to be reckoned with, that is clear, and uh, you'll soon have to make that clear to really everyone around you. They need to know the truth. Uh, and last, but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. The only dream Richard is having is one where he might wake up. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fair dream for chance anyway, is one for chance to wake up for you. Uh, having taken some very, very swift and uh, impaling blows from the statue, the marionette of death, uh, you've crumpled in a heap and you've been, um, been taken out of this burning clock tower by a few of your compatriots. So at some point, you'll have to thank them for potentially saving your life. Because as we all know, Professor, you're not out of the woods yet. And so we are going to lift the curtain on Venice under the cover of darkness as a set of rather urgent footsteps are being plotted along here 
in our course towards the hotel, the Denali there on the on the Grand Canal. Overhead, the smoke from fires and the voices of many Venetians are calling fire. Fire. You hear the word over and over. As the locals begin to react to the trouble that the uh, Palazzo Rizzignani has come under. I would ask the group, given your previous, we'll say, issues with gondola rides, are you continuing to stick to land? I don't see why we would need to stick to land. My followers are in the water. That is clear. I'm just wondering whether there are even, even any gondolas about in all this kind of panic and chaos that seems to be um, occurring around the burning clock tower? Well, uh, there weren't many, if any, gondolas last time uh, on your way in. And uh, true enough, Mr. Fraser, it does seem that the, the canals are still empty of them. The black pools you, know, you found every so often in the canals at night now are seeming to have grown. And there's almost this slick foulness that they're leaving against the uh, ancient bricks here of the buildings of Venice. Am I right in thinking that we can make our way back to the hotel without having to uh, cross any major bridges or anything like that? We can just kind of use the, the, the back streets. Yes, indeed, sir. You, uh, you had helped plot out the route there and with some foreknowledge of the city, given your previous travels, you were able to find a way to circumnavigate the rest of the way to the hotel without having to take the water. It will take a little longer on foot, obviously, but you do not have to go to the water unless you um, are forced to. I think, um, bearing in mind, we're carrying a, an unconscious man with us. Uh, we might raise a few eyebrows if, if we try and hail a, a gondola, even if there is one. We, we may be better just proceeding at best speed on foot. Don't you think, with us having an unconscious man with us, that the best thing to do is to get him to a doctor or a, a doctor adjacent as, as quickly as possible? I, I, I do indeed, I do indeed. But um, well, unless we can travel within sight of, a, of one of the canals and, and hail a gondola if we happen to see one, then I, I really don't see that waiting around in the hope that one will, will appear out of, out of thin air it will, will profit us anything. Well, perhaps if we see one on the way. Aye. Well, let, let's keep moving regardless. As you say, there's, there's no time to lose. All right. The whole time Maggie's thinking, I could have freaking just flown Richard back if you <laughs> let me jump <laughs> off that building. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have some deep conflicts when it comes to the uh, movement here by land. Because you're fairly certain that if you had just le leapt from the building, you'd be flying by now. I know. I could have flown. My children are in the water, and he just wants to travel by land. The the two things I'm least excited about. I'm going to call for, because I assume that the group is being somewhat, we'll say, cautious about their movements. I'm going to call for a spot hidden roll. I'm assuming this is one Richard's not making. Uh, correct, sir. You are unconscious. <laughs> All right. Let's see. 23 under 63, that is a success. Mm -hmm. Hard success, even. Hard success for Maggie as well. 
69 under 80. Nice. More than just a success. Uh, so the three of you, as you're kind of tracking your way through, and, and Simon is assisting you carrying the professor, even though he's wounded, uh, Mr. Fraser, he does seem to want to continue to help as best he can. I'll, I'll make sure that I'm I'm uh, taking most of the weight. Uh, you you make your way down to a point in the city where you begin to see that main boardwalk that leads, and you know that not far from here, you can get to the Grand Canal and move along this leading boardwalk that goes past the Greedy Palace all the way down to the Denali Hotel. And that's really when you get your first look at the waters beyond the Grand Canal that lead to the Adriatic, the lead out into the larger sea. You have seen many coastlines and you've seen many waterways. But off in the distance from this space, this canal, perhaps hundreds of yards out, there is something in the water that has come out of the water. It's a large shape. It sits in the shadows and in the darkness. Um, It's not moving, and so at first you think perhaps it's a building. And you know that there are smaller islands that make up the entirety of Venice that wrap around this section. So maybe it's just just the, the clouds, maybe it's just the shadow. But you get a sense that there is something out there. Those of you, like Lady Elizabeth, who has a hard success, that is not a building. That is not a building. Your mind repeats the sentence three times. It's not a building. There's something in the sea. There's something in the darkness out there. That is not a building. I think perhaps we should avoid the water for now. Have you seen something? There's something out there, but I can't make out what it is. I just think we should avoid it and get back to our hotel as quickly as possible and then leave as quickly as possible, Mr. Fraser. Well, regardless, here or there, time is what's of the essence, so, you know, we can continue to travel, but water may be the fastest. Well, I don't see anything to be afraid of. Well, that's all well and good, but uh, we'll, we need to get on. We need to we need to get these men to, to Paul so he can take a look at them. And then, uh, well, I suppose we need to pack our bags. You continue movement along the boardwalk. You get to the same block of land that the Piazza San Marco is on. And this is really when you start picking up a few people on foot. These people are clinging very closely to the sides of buildings. They are hunkered down as if there is some storm coming. You can tell, too, that each one of them is almost paralyzed with fear. Something has come over them. Whether it's the fog, whether it's the smoke of the people of Venice who are stricken with whatever plague has come to roost here. They all shy away from you. They all look away. They all keep themselves from making any sort of eye contact with you. They're horrified, it seems, by what is going on. And so you press on and eventually get to the Hotel Denali, which the door is shut and locked. You can tell held fast when you try to to open it. Have we got no way of getting into our hotel other than knocking on the door and hoping they let us in? That seems to be true. 
in that case, I will uh, hammer on the door. You pound on the door a couple of times with the intention, right? With feeling because you know that something is not right here and you know you need to find cover. You feel it in your in your bones. Another swell of fog and rain sweeps through the front of this uh, boardwalk. And there's a deep resonant bass tone that takes over the boardwalk, a growing movement of sound. You see the young gentleman who opened the door for you last evening come again to it. Quick, let us in, man. He opens up the door, and you can tell he's uh, he's armed with a rifle. There's no need for that. And he's not pointing it at you. It's down, and it's at rest. And he uh, hurries you inside. What is going on? Why are all these people cowering? The black shirts. They've come through again. He shuts the door behind you and presses it over into the locked position. He came through the frontier, and the priests of the church here wouldn't and the people wouldn't listen to them the black shirts began beating people damn them damn them to hell we have no time for that right now thank you for letting us in we, we need to get up to our room as you can see we have a, a, an injured man here I see that um, I think there's a member of your party upstairs who's been wondering where you are Aye, aye, indeed. It's him we must see. Uh, do you need help? He slings the rifle over his shoulder. Um, um, yes, uh, aye, yes. If you could lend a hand, that would be much appreciated, yes. He helps pick up the professor's legs and kind of moves up the stairs with him. Uh, you can tell just from his stature and, and perhaps age, uh, he's someone who's probably had to do this before. It's possible that he served... During wartime. How many of these black shots are there? Uh, an hour ago, there was many as 15. They'd taken up positions by the palace uh, and at the mouth of the canal on either side. And they were... They were doing what fascists do. They'd cleared some of the streets in the immediate area. And they were telling people to go home and go inside. And when people came out to assist the sick, they beat them back into their homes. But why, why, why tonight? Why all of a sudden tonight? I don't know. I don't know. The the evening paper never came either. I probably locked the doors of that. And all they want printed is, is Mussolini's propaganda. There's word that they're uh, trying to shutter some of the routes out of town. Are the trains still running? I don't know. I've called the station twice this evening. I've got no answer. Oh, well, 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 we'll deal with that when we have to, but right now we have slightly more pressing matters. Thank you. Thank, thank you for your help. Of course. He gets the uh, body of the professor into the professor's room. He assumes that's where you're going with it. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll go down and uh, get Paul unless <laughs> um, Simon does or somebody else does. Uh, yeah, go. Uh, we'll we'll let you go. I, I, we'll let you go get Paul. I suppose I'll ask uh, Maggie what uh, when you return to the hotel. What are you uh, up to? Then? Maggie would probably sit with Richard for a while, at least to make sure that 
he's okay. Can we see the water from where, like, Richard's room would be? You guys are sort of in the interior portion of the hotel about halfway back. You can see a nearby canal. Or I should say you can see a nearby Rio, but you can't see the Grand Canal. Or the immediate of the Adriatic there. Maggie would probably then be going back and forth between making sure Richard's okay and also gazing out at whatever water she can find. Finding herself drawn to it, knowing that it's probably going to be the answer to all of our questions. That's fair. You stare out. Um, You can go to the front of the hotel and you can stare out some of the windows there. That's -hmm. what you'd like. Oh, actually, ooh, I I forgot I have a new leg. Mm -hmm. I want to get these pieces with the other pieces. So assuming Paul's on his way when Paul gets there, then Maggie would leave to go uh, reunite this leg with an arm and a torso. Okay. So you're, you're preparing for that. Um, Lady Elizabeth, you're going to your quarters, I would imagine. Yes. I find myself desperately in need of rest. Yes. You're a little, um, your little, uh, energy, you're a bit tapped on energy as it were. Yes. And I'm s- struggling a bit, even with walking at the moment after all the stairs, the head of the cane, that Phoenix is still warm. It's like it's been put next to a fireplace for a couple of hours, and there's still some residual warmth in the metal. I'm sort of absentmindedly stroking it with my thumb, thinking about what happened, trying to figure out where it came from. Going to need to figure this out. Excellent. If Fraser realizes, you know, kind of with with everything that's going on, hopefully he'll have an eye to her ladyship um, and if he realizes uh, just how worn out she is by the whole uh, adventure he will uh, offer offer uh, any assistance offer his arm if, uh, if required understood and uh, getting him to Paul's room isn't too terribly hard he wakes up after a few knocks on his door and comes to the the door in his his nightshirt oh uh, sorry is everything all right uh, not exactly, um, Paul. Um, please um, put on some trousers and, and come with me, if you will. Oh, right away, right away. And bring your bag. Oh, understood. About a minute or two later, he steps out, looking far, far more put together than when, when you found him. He ambles on down the hallway. I'll, um, I'll take him fairly swiftly um, straight to Richard's room. Won't say anything in the corridor, but uh, once we get into the room, I'll explain what's happened. Oh, my God. I won't even ask what caused it, but how long has he been like this? He steps forward and immediately begins unwrapping things from his bag. Let's say maybe uh, an hour, if that. An hour? He opens up Richard's shirt, the pieces of it that are left, and then inspects the wound uh, in his stomach. Good lord, he was impaled. Time to show your quality, Mr. Neverhaven. Do what you can. He checks his neck. You see him look over some vital pulse areas. It's weak, but, but he still has a pulse. We're lucky. Well, he's in your hands now. Let's see how you uh, you fare, Professor. Well, that's uh, 28 on Paul's medicine roll, so that is very good. So Paul gets to work. 
He sits with him for what seems like quite a while. He inspects and cleans the wound, gives him a good solid lower torso wrap, basically from his waist all the way up to right under his, basically right where his sternum is. You can tell that that wrap is very tight. You've seen wraps like this before in the field, and that is meant to basically keep his guts in from um, spilling out anymore. Um, Fraser will be on hand to lend assistance as and when required. Paul doesn't seem to ask for much in assistance, really. I mean, he asks uh, at some at one point to get um, a clean uh, bowl of water. Yeah, I'll pass him towels and water and bandages or anything like that that he needs. But over the next hour, he's basically up to his elbows in, in all of the work that he has to do. You can tell that the, the skin on Richard's chest has not been affected by the wounds per se, but it still is this very strange myriad of colorations. Something has changed him. Paul, what do you make of this? Whatever it is on his chest. Reminds me of almost a some sort of ir- irritation, maybe some sort of internal diseasing of the flesh. That doesn't sound good. I've never seen anything like it as far as the colors go, but uh, the movements, the the, the way it, it expands outward from the neck is concerning. Has he complained about it at all? Well, you know the professor. Uh, not as such, no. no. Known him recently to be a bit mad, to be honest. Well, he's um, certainly very... Uh, Dedicated to his research, shall we say. At what cost? Yes, uh, I've I've asked myself the same question. All right, then. What he needs now is rest, and I'll check on him in the next few hours. We'll make sure that he gets some rest. Uh, Mr. Griffith, as well, could uh, probably do with your your assistance. He's uh, he's, uh, a little uh, beaten up as well. Well, at least still he's amongst the mobile, yes? Um... For the most part, I, I, I am going to assume that Mister Griffith would want to be in the same room as Richard, but there's no bed for him, and so Paul asks him to go back to his room, which is of course right next to the professor's, because uh, he needs to be laying down to recover. I'll offer to sit with the professor. Um, well, I'm sure that um, Simon will, will protest that he wants to stay with the professor, <laughs> but I'll try and placate him and say, "I'll, I'll be here and." You, you go with Paul for now, and then when you're feeling better, you can come and take over and hope that he just goes away and gets some sleep. Well, he does go back with Paul into his his own room uh, after a little bit of light protest, and then Paul successfully performs medicine on him as well. Presumably there's a, a chair in uh, Richard's room, which I will seat myself on. Mm, there is. And uh, breathe a heavy sigh and light my pipe. Over the next hour or so, Professor, you recover two hit points. That's very good news. And you will come to at some point. Uh, But I'd like to, if we can, I'd like to move our camera to Miss Bellinger, who has, now that you're in the hands of your own caretaker, she has set out, or she is going to be inspecting the uh, pieces of the simulacrum she has been able to obtain. Exactly, yeah. So I would go back to my room and lay the pieces out. I know that there was a time that I feel like 
I communicated or that Comte came to me when I was trying to put them together. And so part of me is trying to see if I can get him to come back again. In what way would you do this? In what way would you attempt to evoke the Comte? When I got him to come visit me when I was trying to put the pieces together, I would probably be doing the same. I would be kind of examining how the leg fits in with the torso, if there's any way that I can match them up or uh, connect them or in some way attune with all of the pieces that I have together now. So you lay these the first leg piece out. So you have the torso and the leg and the left arm. And you realize something that you have now, the entire left portion of the simulacrum. You have the arm, the leg, and then, of course, the torso. So now you realize that you simply need three more pieces, supposedly. Mm -hmm. And then you would have the head, the right arm, and the right leg. And you begin to feel this rush of energy that you're so close now, that you're so much closer than you were when you stepped off that first train. You feel this rising pressure in your chest because you want to go right now and and search out the next piece. But at the same point in time, the lower half of you is exhausted. And so you're sort of at a war with yourself as you lay out these pieces and you think about who or what may lie ahead. And there is a thickening fog that comes to your doorway. You see it roll under the door. And it rolls into the room and sort of begins to exist near the pieces. Ooh, um, if I have them laid out, I mean, the only real place to lay them out would be on my bed. I'm, I'm wondering if he'll come to me more. Like I'm, I'm fighting this urge to rest, but I know that in my fleshy human form, unfortunately, my body does need rest even if my mind feels like it does not. Now that the the mist is with me, I have the pieces here, lay with the pieces to rest and see if I can commune with him better that way. You lay down in bed with the pieces, feeling the material, that sort of almost porcelain quality that it has in its temperature. So it's just cool to the touch in some areas. But the simulacrum itself is is fairly heavy. You lay down with these mannequin-like pieces and the fog rolls over them and rolls over you in the same way. You're coaxed to sleep by this fog. Encompasses you in the bed as a blanket would. And you drift off to sleep, exhausted yet exhilarated, in what you might find soon. Maggie's finally found a man that appreciates her. Unfortunately, he's dead. Well. I mean. Dead adjacent. Correct. So we'll leave you with your foggy visitor there for the moment. And um, I'll ask the professor to make me a constitution roll. Richard has a constitution of 60. And... That was a 91. All right. You're, of course, allowed to push the roll should you so choose. I'm, I'm happy to give you some flavor text if you'd like. Yeah. Yeah, that might be useful. 
you come to in a rather strange place. That is a bedroom you've been in before. And you have this painful, searing feeling in your gut. Like someone stopped down to the smithy and they've heated up a, a horseshoe. And they've forced it into your stomach. You know? Or maybe a more modern presentation of that would be you've had a very, very hot curry. And you've had it at the wrong time and your stomach is paying the price for it now. That's the kind of pain you're in. It sort of forces you onto your side to cough. And coughing, unfortunately, is the last thing that you want to do. And so... You are feeling the effects of such. Ouch. I am cringing as a player. <laughs> I think Richard's going to stay perfectly still. Okay. Fair enough. In that regard, Mr. Fraser, he does not stay perfectly still. He coughs. And you see his body rack with this coughing. And his skin becomes very flush. I'll um, get a, a, a cloth, soak it in cold water and apply it to his forehead. Attempt to cool him and soothe him just lie still professor lie still uh, I, uh, you're, you're going to be alright did everybody get out aye aye we're all safe we're all safe don't you worry about that you, you just you just lie still uh, yes I'll just sit with him the last thing that you uh, you remember professor that the last thing is this look on the marionette dressed as death as it stabbed its scythe into you you can almost see the movements of the face there of that skull as it swept its way away from you thinking that it had dispatched you and then the Turk followed up with his own weapon that nasty scimitar and your mind sort of goes blank after that you remember being warm you smell like you've been around a campfire and you get that sort of intermingled with the um, antiseptics of you can only imagine as Paul's handiwork but unfortunately you are conscious so Richard at this point he's kind of thinking how much of that was a dream and how much of that was real he doesn't really know well, I don't know if you've ever cut your arm or something really deeply there's kind of two parts of uh, to this part of the experience Half of you wants to look at it and see how bad it is, and half of you dares not. And, and at the minute, he's in that kind of, yeah, I'm kind of breathing. It's painful. And I'm going to leave it at that. Not going to, not going to work out what's going on. That's where he is. I think all this probably plays out for you, Mister Fraser, as sort of minor movements. As this this mental guesswork is probably happening with the professor, you can see that he's probably struggling a little to to stay in one state. Razor will just uh, remain by his side and press the, the, the cold, damp cloth to his forehead every so often and mutter uh, soothing words as best he can. He he himself is, uh, is still a bit of a state. He hasn't cleaned himself up or anything <laughs> like that yet. He uh, considers himself to be uh, one of the more fortunate members of the party. He's, he's full-on hospitaler now. He's taking on the, the, that leg of things. Lady Elizabeth, the evening for you, what is remaining of it anyway, is probably spent letting the chair here in this room do its work. Letting your body relax against it. And you come to this sort of revelation here in the room that 
during the time when you were on that platform, that top of that clock tower, the getting up part was one thing. But once your mind had forced your body into a movement and the pace and tempo and adrenaline of the scene had taken over, you don't remember any sort of physical discomfort. There wasn't really even discomfort when it came to what whatever happened with that burst of, of energy. It's really in the aftermath of it. The slope downward seems to be very difficult to deal with. Well, that makes sense. It's easier to go up a hill with a cane than it is to go down a hill with a cane, so to speak. So I think while I'm sitting and resting, I'm just trying to think about what happened and try and, and think back over everything that I've I've read and studied and see if the see if I can remember anything similar or related or that could give me a clue as to what might have happened. All right. You have a few working tomes, at least one anyway, which you could uh, attempt to glean some information through. I'll see what I can do. Pull out the book. The one that I can open anyway. Right. Still can't open the other one. I'll get to that later. Hmm. Indeed. At some point. At some point. Bridge to cross. While you don't read German, the book does have a fair amount as far as illustrations go. And you do have some Cthulhu mythos. Indeed. And so you could attempt to lean on that and use utilize the book as an assistant. That is what I will do. Okay. So it's a Cthulhu Mythos role with the rating of the book. I'm not sure what that means. So the way I play it is you make a Cthulhu Mythos role and then the book itself has its own rating. Mm-hmm. And so you'd add that rating to your role. Okay. A Cthulhu Mythos is five. Ooh. I got a 13. Um, let's see. So what's the, what's the rating? I will find it shortly. It's probably going to be a success. I hope it is. I don't want to spend that much luck. Oh, come now. It's a little luck between you and your keeper, right? You'll get it back someday. Listen, I have 38 luck because someone used an empowered hand of fate against me, so I didn't get all my proper luck at the last refresh, so I would like to not spend more than I have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get it. Right. Is that Nameless Colts, that, that book? It is. It's in German. They have Nameless Colts. They have them listed twice. They have it listed in English. And if memory serves correctly, you have the German version. Correct. All right, so it is Cthulhu Mythos Rating... Plus 10 I have here, if you've read the whole thing. Yep, if you've read the whole thing and she hasn't. Uh, And so I will give you half of that. So we'll give you five. So that would put it at 10. And I got a 13, so I'll spend three luck and make that a success. Certainly. All right. So delving into the pages here, the rather well-written German version of whatever you have, 
you see some of the leftover marks that were left by previous handler. I think that's the nicest way to put it. She bled an awful lot, and it seems that she bled into the book a little bit. And so with every other page or so, there's another bloody fingerprint on a few of these pages. Sort of hard to get away from. But inside the pages, it does speak of an event, it seems, at least in some of these pictures, where flames are coming out of somebody's chest directly from like the center of them. You see along here in some of the writing in, in, in German that it looks like they're, they're talking about something very specific in regards to, you know, you're making some, some assumptions, of course, but you, you believe it's some sort of evoking event, some sort of uh, a drawing up of the spirit, a calling forth of this. It looks like they're, they're making a lot of references to the sun. So they're equating this flame to like the flame of the sun, maybe. What you realize is that you really need to learn German. Quite. It does give you uh, an insight, which is it appears that this person that they're depicting here has some sort of runic markings on their arms. They've, they've either tattooed themselves or they've, they've painted themselves in a sort of way to, uh, to evoke this. You get to this next page and you get a detailed hand sketch of marks that go on the inside of the forearm all the way up the bicep and over their chest. You can't really tell whether or not it's a, a man or a woman because they don't depict it as such. But there are some very specific occult shapes and letterings that they use. And so if you'd like a little more background knowledge, I'll give you an occult role. Okay. My occult is pretty good. So I have 60. We'll see what the dice give me. Zero, zero, 007. Mm, okay. These runes that they have detailed onto their body are all Futhark. That is a pretty clear line for you as far as where this this is probably some sort of northern European, either that or, or perhaps something that was used by someone in Germany. They're depicting the cult use of tattooing into the skin. And they're using some sort of chant here to press that knowledge, that power into someone's skin and then be able to evoke it out. It's the closest corollary that you have to what you've seen. Mm -mm. I'll make some notes and also make a mental note to have Mr. Fraser get me a German dictionary at some point. So I have to know more. Certainly. You do manage to spend a couple of hours in the deep meditative research. And the pictures here are, especially with the accompanying blood, are rather evoking. Because it seems that that um, young hotel worker, her blood has gotten on more than a few of these pages. I've been trying very hard not to think about that incident for a while. So now I'm having to think about it and it's not pleasant. Very well. Maggie, I'd like you to make me a Powell as you dream. That is a regular success for me. You are consciously attempting to evoke a specific person. Yep. And you work and you work to take this image of the Comte. You use a very uh, recent and powerful memory, which is the two of you standing on the edge of the clock tower, hand in hand, 
prepared to leap. And every time you feel this image in your mind swirl into and solidify, there's the image of a person who pushes that cloud, that apparition away. And you can't make out who it is. But every time you get closer and closer to having the Comte completely solid for you, he's broken into a new fresh cloud. And you begin running from place to place. You don't really understand the place that you're in. Is it a house? Is it a room? Is it an apartment? Is it a is it maybe back staying with Aunt Edith? But every place you go to look to find a new spot to get a hold of him, he's pushed away from you. And so you spend most of your time as you're sleeping in what seems to be endless frustration. When Maggie wakes up, she would likely be crying just from all of the sheer frustration and disappointment of it and being racked with this disappointing dream the entire time that she's trying to rest. When you wake up, your chest hurts again, like it did before. Your arm at the elbow is in an enormous amount of pain, and you notice that on the inside, midway or so inside your thigh now, there is some sort of bruising that has taken hold. (laughs) This is obviously what the caterpillar goes through when it's in a cocoon. Of course. I'm just waiting to slough off my current form. (laughs) So that they can all see me for who I really am now. Morning arrives in Venice in a struggled fashion. It seems as if even the clouds do not wish to lose their grip and give Venetians the sunshine again. The hotel is quiet. There is not the endless sort of movement from downstairs that you are used to, Mr. Fraser, at least hearing. Even though you wake relatively early in the morning, as you are wont to do, it feels feels like a tomb in here. I think I'll have spent the night sitting um, by Richard's side, unless Simon came through and uh, took over from me. But uh, I'm guessing he probably, once Paul had finished tending to him, fell into a fairly deep sleep. Oh, yeah. And come eight o'clock thereabouts, um, he will go back to his room um, very quickly, make himself a bit more presentable and uh, pop downstairs to get uh, a breakfast tray for, for her ladyship as well. And he'll come back up and uh, gently, gently knock on her door. Doesn't want to wake her too early because it's been a, obviously a somewhat trying and exhausting evening, but a cup of tea always helps to uh, settle settle one and uh, make a bad situation a little better. Absolutely, sir. Uh, so you are having some difficulties in the morning. The front desk tells you that half the staff have not shown for work. Oh. And so... Hello, me. Um, I am perfectly uh, happy to uh, assist uh, um, as and uh, when required. Uh, if it's all right with you, I'll um, make uh, make the tea myself. Oh, uh, we wouldn't. We wouldn't, of course, ask you to do anything like like that. If you just give it just a few more moments, we'll we'll have things st- straight away. Thank you. Thank you. It does take a, a few more moments. That the morning paper is not here. The staff let you know that it was never delivered, and the gentleman who let you in last night is a uh, standing post near the front desk. You can tell 
just behind him, just on the wall near where the service area is, there's a um, sort of a suspicious hat covering the uh, the barrel end of a rifle. <laughs> it's propped up against the uh, the wall. He's done somewhat of a job to to hide the rifle among some of the other um, articles there, but uh, it's it's fairly clear that he's keeping it nearby and he's resting on a stool. I'll ask him if he's managed to get hold of the railway station. Uh, early this morning, yes. Uh, it seems some of the lines are moving, but uh, the black shirts there are uh, taking careful eye on all of the passengers, and so uh, some of the trains won't run till evening. I, I see. Uh, do you have a, a, a timetable there of uh, the various uh, lines that run out during the course of the day? Oh, certainly, certainly. That is the biggest concern. He gives the paper over to you, the times. Big, the biggest issue we're having is that some of the uh, normal rail traffic is not being allowed to move at all. In fact, so far, only the Orange Express is being kept uh, kept moving. Oh, I see. Oh, right. Well, hmm. very interesting. Uh, and uh, he'll just kind of a little distracted, perhaps, while he's waiting for the, the breakfast to be prepared, um, go through the timetable. Basically, what I want to see is what trains run out during the course of the day that we could possibly get as an alternative to the Orient Express to get us to um, to our, our next destination a little bit earlier. So even if we have to, you know, change once or twice, um, you know, if, there, if there's something that leaves within the next couple of hours. But of course, if Richard is in no fit state to move, then that's that's going to put the kibosh on that a little bit. We might have to wait for the Orient Express. Compounded, of course, by the fact that there might not be any other trains other than the one that we're uh, planning on getting on. Sure. Your trade comes out. Um, they've got uh, tea and then um, some fairly simple breakfast items there. Perfect. The hotel staff and you've been, you've been speaking with says, uh, I wouldn't bet on any other train leaving here or uh, being allowed to. It's, uh, it's fairly clear. Only thing that they're not having any sort of uh, luck shutting down is uh, the port. The port, you say? Huh. Yeah, they, they can only do so much when it comes to that. Uh, so much of Venice's business runs by uh, by sea. You see, what what destinations um, would the uh, any vessels be uh, likely to be traveling to today? Oh, uh, we would have. I'd have to check at the port for you. I wouldn't know offhand. Well, I, I'm I'm more than happy to do that myself. But uh, if you do have a free moment, uh, it'd be very much appreciated if you could find uh, find out uh, for me. It, it may be uh, that uh, our continuing journey might be better affected uh, by water rather than land. Well, I I assume that several of them will probably uh, run south, perhaps to Rimini or maybe even Ancona. Just Places along the route, as it were. Hmm? Ah, yes, yes, indeed. Yes. Hmm. Well, um, well, it's it's something to bear in mind, anyway. Yeah. But uh, these these uh, black shots have they said what they're specifically doing here? Are they looking for somebody? Have they got a a goal in mind, or are they keeping tight-lipped about the whole thing? Why don't you make me a persuade roll, sir? Oh, blind persuade. Not the most persuasive film, but I'll give it a shot. Yeah, this is going to be. Uh, Fraser tends to try and get back by on uh, on charm rather than uh, persuasion. <laughs> Certainly, 
Well, that is 13, and I have a persuade of 10. I'm going to spend three luck. Will you? Make that a success. Yes, I am. He sits forward on the stool a little bit and says, I wouldn't normally say this, but um, I think that they're looking for someone. And I think that they're looking for someone here in the waterfront, here. And there's a reason I've got my rifle. We keep a lot of very important clientele. I see. So, uh, I can kind of glance left to right just to make sure we're not being overheard to somebody in this hotel they're looking for, you think? That's what I think. Yeah, they've been uh, to the front door two or three times. Hmm. I've had to remind them that uh, the bar and the hotel are for paying guests only. Hmm. I see, of course, yes. Do you have any uh, any idea who specifically it might be? Hmm. Uh, I think it's somebody politically motivated they're looking for. I think maybe they might be looking for a woman. Interesting. Very interesting. A, a woman in the, in the sphere of politics. Well, hmm. I think that might also be why the Orient Express is still running, too. It's, uh, it's well paid for by many, many passengers to make sure that train keeps running. Yes, of course. Yes, there are there are powers indeed that uh, uh, are rather uh, rather greater than uh, even the the might of uh, uh, El Duce, I believe he is known as, is he not? Yes. Yes. Well, you've given me uh, much to much to ponder on. Uh, indeed, I I, I won't uh, I won't pry any further uh, and ask for ask you to name any names because it's uh, clear it's a matter of some degree of confidence. But uh, what you have told me is most most interesting. When. Uh... How long will you be staying then? Well, we had uh, intended on leaving perhaps today or, or tomorrow. Uh, it really does depend on uh, what form of transport we are able to get uh, out of the city. Ideally, we would travel on the Orient Express, but, uh, well, I mean, if we can travel by uh, by boat, then that might make a refreshing change. Well, uh I need to take a walk around anyway and see uh, what we see this morning. So, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take a peek down at the docks area and see what's moving. I can let you know if there's anything coming about. Well, that'd be very much appreciated. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your time and trouble. Uh, well, I uh, I won't keep you any lo- any longer. The, the tea's getting cold. Mm. So, uh, um, I'll, uh, I'll speak to you later on today, no doubt. Yes, of course. And uh, I'll head head on upstairs with much to think on, and uh, tap on her la- ladyship's door. Yes, who is it? It's uh, it's Mister Fraser, your ladyship. I have a breakfast tray for you if you'd like it. Ah, uh, do come in, thank you. Uh, here we are. We have uh, we have some tea and uh, some uh, uh, pastries, I believe. Not not much. They're uh, they are somewhat short staffed today, but uh, but they've done their best with what they have. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling this morning, your ladyship? Rested, I hope. Mm, a little worn out, let's say. I would prefer not to be climbing any more stairs if I can at all avoid it. But better for the sleep, thank you. Aye, aye. Uh, it might uh, might interest you to know that uh, I've spoken with one of the staff here, and uh, well, it is their belief that uh, the black shirts here are uh, well. 
they think they're looking out for somebody in particular, a, a, a woman, I believe, and with some uh, political connections. And they think she's here. That is the impression that I have been given, yes. Hmm. Interesting. Staying at this hotel, and I, I, I don't myself recall um, seeing or meeting anyone who might fit that description, but, uh, well, it is a little troubling. I just uh, think about the fact that the princess has already left town, and I am glad of this. Just to myself. Just in case it's her. Well, thank you, Mr. Fraser. We should perhaps be making our plans to leave. I would prefer to leave today, if at all possible. Yes, yes, uh, quite so. Um, there is a possibility we might be able to travel uh, by by a boat if, uh, if the railway is uh, problematic. From what I understand, many of the local services uh, have been uh, stopped entirely by the Black Shirts. Um, the Orient Express is running to, to well, it is running presumably to time, but uh, I have no doubt that they will be there observing uh, all the comings and goings and see who gets on and gets off. So uh, maybe uh, a little more uh, prudent for us to uh, see if we can take a boat that's heading in the same general direction and then pick up another train to continue that, the next leg of our journey. Shudder slightly. Well, I would prefer to avoid the water if at all possible, but we do need to leave. So whatever gets us out of town the fastest. Yes, well, I'm going to go and check on uh, Professor Courtney just now and... Uh, see how he's doing and uh, have a word with Paul, see if, if it is indeed uh, wise for him to move today. It may be that uh, if it's impossible for him to travel, then uh, that ties our hands somewhat in the matter. Yes, I suppose so. I do hope that is not the case. I would rather not stay around here with sort of gesture at the window to indicate everything. Yes, indeed, indeed. It has been a somewhat tumultuous uh, visit. Quiet. Mr. Fraser. Your ladyship, yes. Did you happen to see last night what happened with the fire? Ah, well, I was wondering if you were going to bring that up, your ladyship. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what I saw. There was no fire, and then there was fire, and, well... It appeared to spontaneously erupt from, uh, well, somewhere in your direction, as far as I could tell. Quite. I was wondering if you'd perhaps seen what actually occurred. Very well. I have some thoughts. Thoughts you care to share, your ladyship, or thoughts you wish to ruminate on in private? Things I wish to ruminate on, but also uh, thoughts of the sort that I don't think... Your uh, Presbyterian upbringing would approve of, Mr. Fraser? Well... Magical sort of things. Well, to be honest with you, your ladyship, the last, well, days, weeks, I'm not entirely sure how long it's been now. It's all uh, been very confusing. My my thoughts and, and beliefs have, well, they've taken something of a battering, it has to be said. I think perhaps I'm a little more open to uh, miracles, shall we say, for want of a better word. Um, I mean, after all, and the Bible does does teach us that uh, uh, 
how Lord raised a man from the dead, changed water into wine. These these things do occur. And uh, Moses cast his staff on the ground and it became a snake in front of the, the great pharaoh. So, well, I, I suppose if one if one credits that as as being truth, then well, one must one must keep a, a, an open mind to such things, and even in this day and age. And smile a little bit. It's nice to see your mind opening a little, Mister Fraser. And I don't think it can be quite denied that. However, it occurred last night. It was, uh, what was the word you used? Miraculous? I doubt we'd be here otherwise. It's entirely possible we would not, uh, despite the uh, the best efforts of uh, Mr. Griffith and, uh, and myself and uh, the professor and Miss, Miss Ballinger. Speaking of, does something strike you as a little odd about Miss Ballinger's behaviour of late? Do you mean the parts where she's falling around, uh, grabbing young men by parts that should not be touched? Or do you mean the bit where she seems to believe she's a deity? Her... Well, not to put too fine a point on it, what appears to be her delusions of grandeur. Uh, She was running out onto the platform or whatever it was in front of that clock tower with with the man, with the man that we saw in, 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 in France. The man that... Well, I, I don't need to tell you what he did, but she seemed to be single-minded in, in her determination to to travel with him. I, I, I'm very worried about her, Your Ladyship. I'm very, very worried about her. Don't tell her this, but I'm concerned for her safety as well. But we've been under quite a bit of mental strain, and as we know... She's been carrying the pieces of the simulacrum, and I'm fairly certain that has a deleterious effect on one's mental health. So, we must keep an eye on her, Mr. Fraser, and see what we can do. Perhaps it'll wear off with some rest and some time, but there's not really a whole lot that can be done at the moment, I don't think. But it's good to know you're also aware of the issue. I I wonder... I wonder if Paul might be able to uh, prescribe something calming to her, or perhaps, I mean, he worked at the, the hospital in France, and, uh, well, he may have some experience of, uh, of this kind of uh, behavior. I, I, I agree. I think there's, there's no doubt that the, the strain, physical and mental, of, of these items, whatever they are, is, is telling on her. Yes, well, I will have a word with Paul about this. Uh, you, I do beg your pardon, Mr. Fraser, but a young man might take it a bit amiss for another man to come and speak about a woman he is not attached to and her mental health it rather reeks of hysteria. So I think perhaps I should do the talking. That is a very sound proposition, Your Ladyship. Yes, absolutely. I will do what we can, Mr. Fraser. Now let's go about our morning and uh, perhaps speak to Paul about whether the professor is well enough to travel and then we should make arrangements as a group for leaving town. 
Yes, uh, I have one of the staff here looking into the, uh, the um, traffic by sea at the at the harbour here, and so hopefully I should have a little more information on what's feasible there um, a little later in the day. I'll I'll go and uh, check on uh, the professor just now and and see how he's doing. Thank thank you, your ladyship. Uh, uh, thank you. Speaking of the professor. Professor, you are being visited already by um, by Paul, who has come in early this morning to try to see to some of your wounds, your bandages. He wakes you and uh, puts you into a position where he can properly redress the bandages. And uh, he gives you something immediately for the pain, pain which is already aching from the night's rest before. He is going to properly inspect the work and then... Roll another medicine roll. Good old Paul applying the uh, pain relief as always. Clearly. Ooh. Well, no. that's either a good noise or a very bad oh, noise. That is a very good noise for you. Ooh. Uh, so Paul's rolled a five. And so on extreme rolls when it comes to medicine, I like to do something fun. And so I'm going to have you roll a D3 for me. D3? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a six, so that's a three. So you're going to heal three hit points. Rather than an hour, you'll have miraculously recovered them here within this medicine roll. And it is part and parcel to the hit points that you'll have recovered uh, sort of overnight. So we'll glom those together and add an extra two in. And so all the characters, because they're all characters, will recover two hit points from last night. And so that will also help as well. And then it's been about seven hours. So for those of you who have been without, say, MP, you can recover seven points of MP as well. Not that anyone here used any MP yesterday. No one's casting spells here. Definitely not. Not, not, not a nope. single point. Nope. Well, that puts me back almost at full for magic. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, so, Professor, you're definitely feeling better. You are definitely feeling like you could probably sit up today. You're not sure if it's Paul's handiwork or if it's um, maybe you're maybe you're recovering from this one a lot faster than you thought. Maybe the wound wasn't as bad as it was first pretended. Maybe your body just gave out from shock rather than being completely on death's door. You're not sure, but um, you're thankful anyway. That's good news. I mean, if Richard's feeling a bit better, he'd probably... Um use whatever the appropriate means is in this hotel to summon some sort of room service and uh, see if he can obtain some cup of tea. Yes, room service comes in the form of something you weren't expecting before, and that would be one James Fraser who enters after a a light knocking while Paul is putting stuff back in his medical bag. Good morning, Paul. Uh, How is our patient this morning? Recovering quite well. Splendid. Do you feel up to a cup of tea, Professor Courtney? Oh, um, yes, uh, a cup of tea would be fantastic. Thank you. I well, feel like I've not had one for ages. Splendid. How, how do you take it? Milk, sugar? Um, yes, white with um, uh, no sugar. No sugar. There we are. I'll, uh, I'll join you. Paul, would you like a cup of tea? Oh, I was going to go check on um, Simon. Of course, yes, yes. Well, how are you feeling, uh, Professor? A little better, I hope. You, you, you've suddenly got a little more colour than you had last night. 
he'll take a quick sip of his tea and you'll, you'll hear a, a little slurp. Ah, um, yes, thank you. All, all the better for the tea, I think. Um, oh, I'm not quite sure what happened, but, um, I, I feel more myself. Yes, yes, you're quite right. Yes, you were in a bit of a sticky situation last night. What? I mean, I, I remember, um, oh, well, Maggie was, uh, I don't know, um, in some sort of peril as far as I can remember. And I was, um, trying to push one of these things into another to, uh, to make a path. And, uh, I don't know how much of it I dreamt and how much of it actually happened, but, uh, Yes, some nasty sort of thug with a, a blade, uh, some sort of sword. Uh, some sort of eastern thing, I think. Uh, yes, a scimitar of some description, I believe. And uh, Indeed. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still not quite clear exactly what happened there. Uh, some some form of uh, motorised automata, automatons or, or something. Um, oh. Or I don't know. I don't. I really. I really don't know. It was all a little beyond me. But uh, there was somewhat of a stramash, and uh, well, the the uh, the Comte uh, Fenelik, he uh, he appeared on the scene, and um, uh, there was some some sort of connection between him and Miss Ballinger. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what what that was all about. But uh, oh, oh, um, well, that's um, a connection. I'm. Um... How do you mean? Well, they, they appear to be, well, I hesitate to say in cahoots, but they appear to be uh, acting in some way in concord with one another. And, and he did not seem to wish to harm her, nor us for that matter, from, from what I could tell. It was just merely observing, but uh, I certainly did, didn't get a, a feeling uh, that he wished us anything other than ill overall yes well, that's that's I, I don't know I'm somewhat concerning yes indeed indeed it is uh, and you very nearly took a uh, quite a fall yes it was quite some way up wasn't it but we we have the we have the item though you'll you'll be glad to know yes um Simon Simon how how, how is Simon I remember I'm being stuck in a hole with him now Yes, he was he, he was somewhat injured in, in the fracas, but uh, he is uh, he's recovering uh, in his room. Uh, so he's, he's resting for now, but uh, he he will he will survive. He's a he's a strong fellow. He'll he'll pull through fine. Yes, yes, he is. Well, that's that's um, well, some good news, I suppose. Do you think you're uh, you're up to travelling today? I I don't know. Um, what does um, did you ask Paul? I haven't had a chance to speak to him about it uh, as yet, but uh, I wanted to see how how you felt in yourself first. Well, I mean, I I I'm mentally fine. I, I'm a little tired, as as you could imagine, but um, I, perhaps I should go for a a brief walk and uh, and and see how I fare. But I'd uh, I think I should consult Paul first. Yes, I, I, I do suspect he will probably want you to, uh, to to rest and recuperate for as long as possible. But uh, time is not on our side. The black shirts are here. They are um, guarding the stations. They are clearing the streets. Uh, right. Yes. It is quite likely that they have a, a particular goal in mind. Uh, I believe uh, that there may be somebody in this very hotel that uh, they have their sights on. 
uh, we, yes, I mean, maybe, I don't know, some sort of uh, a wheeled chair would be uh, appropriate. If, if I can't walk, but I, I'm keen to get out of here. Indeed, a bath chair or something of the like. That's an excellent idea. I'll speak to the staff at the hotel and see what they can come up with. Yes. I'll get on that right now. Enjoy your tea and uh, I'll uh, I'll chat the door uh, uh, and see oh, well. see if Paul can come and, uh, and speak with you about the possibility of uh, travel later on in the day. We're going to ha- need to discuss exactly how we leave the city and whether we wait until the evening for the uh, Orient Express or whether we... Uh, whether we find a, an alternative route. Uh, I'm. Uh, what other routes would there be? There are uh, several boats um, traversing the, the the sea, so we may be able to pick something up at the harbour, which is going in in the same rough direction as we're headed. But after what we saw in the canal, I mean, isn't that a little risky? Well. That, that is something that we will have to discuss, I think. I, I believe there are risks um, involved in whatever decision we make. Um, it is just a matter of uh, the path of least resistance, so to speak. Yes. Yes. I don't seem to have any easy choices at the minute, do we? And I don't think they're going to get any easier, Professor. No. On that note, Miss Bellinger, you get a knock on your door. Yes, who is it? It's Paul. Oh, um, come in. He steps in. He's dressed for the day and then has his doctor's bag. I think, uh, Mr. Fraser is keen to leave. Are you resting with the pieces now? Well, I thought it might help. Oh. Hmm. It might help me talk to Finalik. Talk to him. Yes, the most magnificent thing happened yesterday, Paul. Truly, what was it? Well, I've, I've come to know my true abilities and my true powers. And actually, I'm a little bit concerned. I, I was going to tell uh, Richard this, but I, I could talk to you too. I'm concerned about Fraser. In what way? Well, I think he's holding me back from achieving my full potential. Holding you back? Yes. Hmm. He sits down in the, the chair next to you, next to the bed, says... In what way is he holding you back? I feel that I, I, my body, not the one that I'm currently in, but the one that's inside what I'm currently in, I think that it has a, a greater potential. I We saw these things in the water, Paul, and it, it's like a spark ignited in my brain. And I, I know the truth now, and Fraser is holding me back from it. I could have achieved flight last night. Flight? Yes. Fascinating. Paul seems to lean in a little bit. I think it's very important that you figure out what you need to figure out. You tell this story. There must be so many thoughts that you have. Oh, my mind is racing, Paul. I would love to to listen, to hear what you have to say. Where should I start? Well, I think several of the group, including Simon, are very keen to leave the city. They're very concerned about some of the things that are happening here. Um, I noticed a few things yesterday that were mm, not pleasant. And so I, I tend to agree that it would be better to to leave Venice as quickly as possible. To try to get clear of whatever whatever things are happening here in the city and, and then move on to the next step. So perhaps when we get aboard the train, you and I could speak about this at length and I could 
I could, if you would be willing, I would like to take a, some notes to, to write some things down. Uh, because if this, um, if this eureka moment has come for you, then it's very important that we document it, don't you think? Oh, yes, of course, Paul. That that would be perfect. Wonderful. Um, then um, when you're ready, I'll let the others know that that we can we can begin our, our journey out of Venice. I know that they're very concerned to do so. Is there, is there anything else that I can do for you? Is um, how are your um, well the the regular maladies that we we've talked about before? Well, I, I I do still have quite a bit of pain, Paul, but does not a a a, a caterpillar experience pain in in the cocoon when they when they essentially liquefy one form and become another so i'm 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 starting to feel i think a certain comfort with the pain like it's transferring some sort of realization of truth yes exactly paul that you should lean into the pain and understand it yes like when you when you have a bruise in a, in a lighter sense, and some uh, bruises hurt, but but sometimes it, it there's also a pleasant feeling to them. Hmm. You can't help but touch them. I find that very interesting. He goes to his bag, then he taps on the top of it. Perhaps uh, no medicinal uses today. Yes, I think I'll be fine for today. I will let you know if if things change though. Please do, and and I know that the thoughts, of course, they must be just terribly, terribly strong in your mind, racing all around. But as best you can, save them for me. Yes, we want, we want, to, we want to get them all bottled. Yes, maybe I, I, I will work on organizing them, them, them for you. But I, I, they may just spill out. I, I can't, I can't guarantee. Of course not. Of course not. Um, I would, I would, however, encourage you to, um, to do the best you can. Uh, to prepare them only only for us to spreading them around um un, unrealized uncategorized could be um well it could be too much for some people you understand oh yes i do i do understand they i i don't think that they'll fully grasp the reality of it the magnificence i couldn't agree more well i'll i'll leave you as you are and um and w- when you're ready uh let us know and you can and um do you have space for all of those? He kind of points around to the pieces. I, I'm not sure, but I, I need to keep them together and you know, with me. Uh, perhaps I'll call the um, front desk and see if maybe there's a um, a spare steamer trunk they may have around. Uh, I'm certain that we can find you something for it. It is getting more difficult to carry them all. It was much easier when it was just an arm. Of course. Well, but thank you, Miss Mellinger. I'll, I'll be back as soon as I can. Yes, we'll be talking soon, Paul. Stands up and, and leaves you to your devices, as it were. So I I know we have a lot going on, but I think for the moment we'll close on the episode here. And then next episode we can pick up with uh, kind of how the investigators will actually remove themselves from Venice and what they might find along the way. And so thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Horror on the Orient Express. We'll see you next week.